This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com forward slash critical to find out more. Good morning, I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday, the 6th of December. In your squiz today, three former detainees are rearrested. Ukraine funding is under threat. The King plans a trip down under. And getting ready for Person of the Year. This is your squiz today. We're back talking about the fallout from the High Court decision around indefinite detention, Claire, and there have been more developments after revelations yesterday that three of the offenders who were recently released have since been arrested on new charges. Now, that is a whole lot of legal talk, so let's wind it back a few steps. This stems from the High Court decision in early November. As you mentioned, Alex, we've talked about that a little bit (laughs) in recent weeks. Um, That was a decision that found that it was illegal to hold non-citizens in immigration detention indefinitely. The issue is that these are people who were on visas in Australia. They've committed crimes here or our authorities have found out something about them and have decided to deport them. But for a variety of reasons, that's very hard to do. There were 148 people being held in immigration detention in Australia who were released as a result of a legal case that overturned a previous precedent. And Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill and Immigration Minister Andrew Giles confirmed that the majority of these people were serious offenders. Yes, the group includes people who've served time for murder, rape and child sex abuse. Since all of this has gone down, the government has scrambled to bring in laws so those people can be monitored. And this week, the government is also looking to pass preventative detention laws. Yeah, so those laws would allow authorities to lock up people who present what they call a high risk of reoffending, and they could potentially lock them up indefinitely. Uh, all of this, of course, has seen the coalition go on the offensive, accusing the government of being caught flat-footed when it came to that high court decision. And with yesterday's news about the re-arrest of those three former detainees on new charges, since their release from immigration detention. The coalition has demanded that Ministers O'Neill and Giles resign. Yesterday, the coalition's immigration spokesman, Dan Tian said they need to own up to their disastrous handling of this issue. Those preventative detention laws are expected to pass Parliament this week with the support of the coalition, but the Greens say the major parties are on a, quote, race to the bottom. Looking overseas now, the White House has warned that it is running out of money to be able to support Ukraine in defending itself against Russia. They've said that if they can no longer send weapons and funding, it will, quote, kneecap Ukraine on the battlefield. There's a bit of a political backstory to this one. The war is becoming less popular amongst conservative Americans and Republicans in the Congress have grown increasingly iffy over the last few months about providing more financial support to Ukraine. The new Republican Speaker in the House of Representatives is Mike Johnson, and he says that the Biden administration hasn't addressed Republican concerns about funding for Ukraine to fight the war. Uh, The 
Biden administration needs the Republican support for that funding to get through. Uh, the American government funding, though, for Israel is a bit different. It still has bipartisan support in the United States. Claire, just on Israel's war on Hamas, they've now launched a ground invasion of southern Gaza while also encircling a refugee camp in the north. Israel's military says those are areas where Hamas leaders are hiding. As for why the week-long ceasefire broke down last week, there's a bit more insight to be offered on that. Overnight, the US State Department says it was because Hamas had reneged on an agreement to release all the women it was holding hostage. Let's take a bit of an economic detour, Claire, because the price of gold has just hit an all-time high. It is currently selling at over US $2,000 per ounce, which to translate is over 3000 Aussie dollars for about 28 grams of gold. Yeah, and gold, what I know about the gold market, you could put on the back of a postage stamp. But <laughs> what the experts say is that it's an indicator of the global economic mood. Um, the reason that gold has really gone up up in value to, as you say, its highest level ever, is that it's seen as a safe investment, particularly in these economic uncertain and tricky times. Prices leapt after the 7 October invasion of Israel by Hamas. The question mark there is what, of course, that happens to oil supplies and all sorts of things that could really affect the global economy. Um, Also buoying up the price uh, and the price of other commodities and investments was a speech by Jerome Powell. He is the US central banker. He suggested that interest rate hikes in the US might be finished. Speaking of interest rate hikes, yesterday Australia's Reserve Bank acted as predicted. They decided to hold the cash rate at its current level, 4.35%. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website. Roll out the purple carpets and polish the silverware, Claire, because His Royal Highness King Charles and Queen Camilla are coming down under, according to some new media reports. Yeah, and if you've got a corgi, you might get it out and give it a bit of a wash and a spruce (laughs) up as well. Um, Of course, it'll be our first in-person hello from King Charles and Queen Camilla since becoming our official head of state. He only had his coronation earlier this year, so he hasn't had a lot of time to get here, but lots of excitement that that could be happening. Um, Details are a bit scarce at this stage, but reports say that Charles would probably time a trip to coincide with the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, which is in Samoa in October next year. Um, That meeting, of course, is known as CHOGM, if you're in government and heard that before. (laughs) It's a really great acronym. Um, Charles's last trip to Australia was in 2018. That was for the opening of the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. A little bit awkward that we've dumped the 2026 Games in Victoria, (laughs) Um, but that was his last memory of us. Just on those games, Claire, another awkward moment. The UK government yesterday was fairly blunt. They said that they will not step in to save the Commonwealth Games if they cannot find a new host city for 2026. 
I love a good end of year list, and one that always makes headlines is Time Magazine's Person of the Year announcement. Now, Claire, something that does come up every year is that this award is not meant to be an endorsement of the person, but rather just saying who is the most influential. So, with that said, let's get to this year's shortlist. Yeah, that does take a bit of explaining, doesn't it? Because (laughs) that shortlist includes Russian President Vladimir Putin, also China's President Xi Jinping, both controversial figures in their ways. Um, King Charles, probably less controversial. He is on the short list. Um, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, we can call him that these days because he was dumped and then he was reappointed. <laughs> um, and Jerome Powell, who we just mentioned before, America's central banker. Um, when it comes to a political moment, the Trump prosecutors, um, they've filed more than 90 charges against the former US president this year, so they get a shout-out on the short list. Uh, and when it comes to some cultural moments, the Hollywood strikers, of course, the actors and the writers who won deals against those movie studios this year, um, Taylor Swift also gets a nod on the short list, as does Barbie. That is a, that's a very comprehensive list. What a year. The winner will be announced early Thursday morning, our time. Squiz the day, Claire. What is on the agenda today? Look, we started with politics and we'll end with politics. Um, National Cabinet is meeting today. Of course, that's when the Prime Minister has that meeting with the State Premiers and the Territory Chief Ministers. The agenda item that's getting most airplay is around the National Disability Insurance Scheme. They've got some decisions to make about how to continue to fund it. That is one to put on your political radar. And that's us done for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.